Shalom to all. Today's off is Shalom to Zion, and we are starting three lines from the top at the beginning of the line. And the Gemara says, Mishin Ignez Aaron, when the Aaron was hidden away, this is what we were in the middle of talking about. Ignez Imat Sinsana Saman, the jug of man was hidden away with it. Also, we know that Hashem had told Mesh Rabbeinu to take some of the man and put it in a jug and hide it away for all future generations. Utsaychel Shem Mishcha, and the flask of the Shem Mishcha. This is the oil that was used for anointing the Besamikdash and the Mishkan and the Kalim and the Kahanim Gedalim and kings. We're going to learn about this later today's daf. And this was also hidden away with the Aaron, Umakashel Aaron, Prakhavushkedov, and the staff of Aaron. Its flowers and its almonds. During the episode of Karach in the Midbar, all the Shvatim placed a staff in the Mishkan, and Aaron's staff flowered and grew almonds, indicating that he was the one chosen by Hashem. This was also hidden away with Aaron. And the box that the Plishtim returned along with the Aaron as a guilt offering to the God of Israel. As we said, the Plishtim had captured the Aaron, and when they finally returned it, they sent a gift of a box with a number of golden images inside. This was hidden away with the Aaron also. And the Gemara asks Miganazai, who actually hid the Aaron away? Yeshio Ganazai, King Yeshio, he hid it away near the end of the first place. Since he saw it was written on the Torah scroll, that was found in the base of Mekdash. Hashem is going to lead you and the king that you establish upon yourself to a nation that you and your fathers do not know them. This is about 35 years before the destruction of the Mekdash. He went and he hid the Aaron Kaidash. That's Pshat in the Pasuk. He told the Levim that understand or that teach that are holy for Hashem. Aaron Kaddish in the house, Asher Bana Shlom Ben David Melchi Israel, the Shlom Ben David Melchi Israel built, and the Chamas of Akatev. You're not going to have to carry it on your shoulders anymore. Amalehmi told him, Im Galahui Machem Bavel. If it's going to end up being sent into exile with you to Bavel, and Atemachzirin Oisay Adam Kamer, you're not going to end up bringing it back into its place because it's going to be stuck in Bavel. You're not going to be able to bring it back. El Ata Ivdos Hashem Lakechem Ves Ama Yisrael goes to Hashem and his nation Yisrael in other ways, but the Aaron Kaddish is going to be hidden away, and you're not going to have to carry it around anymore. And now we're going to talk about the Shemun Mishcha, Pitem Shemun Mishcha, and the blending or the formulation of the Shemun. The Pasuk says, take for yourself Vikida Khameshmeas and five hundred kida, it's a certain type of spice. Shahin El Khameshmeas Manim. There was a total of one thousand five hundred shekel weight of spices that were used to give aroma to the Shamana Meshcha. And the Pasuk tells us Shaman Zai saying that the total amount of olive oil used in the Shamana Meshcha was a hin worth, which is how much Shnemas are like, that's twelve like Shabai Shokan Karn, that's what the Karn, the roots are the spices, they were cooked in it, Divra Mer, that's our mayor's opinion, and they were cooked in this oil, and then the oil got this wonderful aroma. Whereas Rabbi Huda he argues, and he says, First they were cooked in water, then they were taken out of the water, and then this 12 leg of oil was placed on these roots and spices. And once the oil absorbed the aroma of the spices, it was removed from the spices, it was removed from all these roots, just the way the perfume makers make it. It's a holy anointing oil, but it's mishcha, it's made like the professional perfume makers make it. And Tani Rabbi Yehuda Be'er he teaches, Shem and Mishcha Sha'asa Maisha Midbar, the Shem and Mishcha, the Maisha Be'en Umid Midbar, Maisha Nisim Nasabai Mitchil Vatsaif, it was full of miracles from the beginning all the way till the end. Shemitchil Lohai Bai El Shnei Masar Lag, it only had 12 lug of oil in it. Shemar says Shem and Zayas Hin, and we know that a Hin is 12 lug of oil, and that's not a lot of oil. And Imasach Bai Sekar Lohai Bai Sepik, if there wasn't even enough to cover all the spices, because 12 lug of oil for all the spices that were used was definitely not enough. All the more so, show the fire is going to absorb some of it, meaning some of it's going to evaporate as it's cooking in the fire. But it's in Bailam, and the wood, meaning the spice is going to absorb some fire by last, and the pot itself is going to absorb some oil. And we mention from this oil, the Mishkan was anointed with Kalev and all of its kalim, the Shulchan and all of its kalim, and the Minar and all of its kalim, and from it, Aaron the Kain Gadol, and all of his sons, they were anointed every single day of the Miluim, every single day of the inauguration of. And and kings for all future generations, they were all anointed from this oil. 
and there wasn't enough in it. Now we're going to pause for a second, and we're going to talk about this just for a moment, a little bit of a tangent. Melch Betchilaton Mashicha, a king, if he's the first of his line, he gets anointed with the oil, Melch Ben Melch, but a king, the son of the king that was previously anointed, or the son of the son, Anton Mashicha, so he doesn't get anointed, only the first one of the chain. My time, why is that? Because the Pasuk says, in regards to Shmuel Hanavi, anointing David Melch, Komashcheu Kizahu, get him anointed because he's the king. Zeton Mashicha, Vain Benayton Mashicha, he, David Melch, he needs to be anointed, but his son doesn't need to be anointed. We have a kind God, the son of another kind God, even up until 10 generations. It's not specifically 10 generations. This just means we have a whole line of kind of G'daylim. It goes from father to son, father to son. Every single one of them still needs Meshicha. They still need to be anointed by the Shemana Meshcha. But now we're going back to the Brisa to show what a nace this Shemana Meshcha was. The Kulay Kaim Asad Lavai. All of it is still there, La'asid Lava. Even though it was used to anoint so many things and so many people, we still have all 12 hin of this oil. It says, This shall be a holy anointment oil for me, for all your generations, meaning this is La'asid Lava, and this was the nace that we find in the Shaman Meshcha. And once we start speaking about kings being anointed, the Gemara tells us that we only anoint a king by a spring. Shemar says in the Pasuk, David HaMelech commanded, and you shall put Shlom my son on the mule that I have he should bring him to Gichon which is a spring and should anoint him over there to be a king over Kla Yisrael and we continue the only reason why we're going to anoint a king who's the son of another king is because is because there's some sort of contention about the kingship and that's why we're going to anoint one of them we just said that the only one that's going to be anointed is the first king of the entire line and all the subsequent kings are not going to be anointed so the only reason why we will anoint Subsequent kings is because Machlaikas, and the Gemara gives a couple of examples. Because Adonio was half brother, he contested the kingship, so therefore we had to anoint Shlomo to say that Shlomo Melch is the king and not Adonio. Yash was anointed because of Asalia. Asalia was an evil queen that killed all the male descendants of David. Yash, who was a baby at that time, was spirited away and hidden until he was seven, then taken out of hiding. He was anointed because Asalia was still ruling at that point. Yayachas, he was anointed. Because Yayakim, his brother, was two years older than him, so that's why he was anointed. Yashio had a number of sons. Among them were Yayakim, Yayachas, and Sidkio, and we're going to learn about them momentarily. And Yehu b'nei Yairam. Yehu was anointed because of Yairam. Ahav, the evil king of Yisrael that turned many to Zara, died and was succeeded by his son Yairam. However, Hashem told Elisha Navi to anoint Yehu instead to wipe out the family of Ahav. But now the Gemara asks a question on this last one about Yehu getting anointed. Like King Siv doesn't say in the Pasuk, Komash Cheyu Kizehu, get up and anoint him because he's the king, referring to Shmuel Hanavi anointing David. Zeton Meshicha Vein Machisotan Meshicha. Only this one needs to be anointed. But the kings of Yisrael, they don't get anointed, only the kings of Yehuda do. So why is it that Yehu was anointed as king? So the Gemara says, okay, we have another question. Shanim, you had said that Yehiyachaz was anointed because Yehiyachaz was really two years older than him, so we had to anoint Yehiyachaz. But didn't Yehiyachaz, their father, already hide away the Shemana Mishcha? So how is it that he was anointed? There wasn't any Shemana Mishcha. So Hada Amr must be Nimshach. Both of these kings were anointed with a Farsamayin oil, and this wasn't the regular Shemana Mishcha, and it was really more of a symbolic act, and it wasn't actually with the Shemana Mishcha. And more about Shemana Mishcha, kings are only anointed from Shemana Mishcha that's in the Karen, that's in a horn. Sha'ul Yehu, Sha'ul Amalek and Yehu, they were anointed from oil that was in a flask. Since their kingdom was Ivaris, was passing, it was very short, so then they were anointed with a flask, which symbolizes something that's going to be short. They're anointed with the horn. Their kingdom is much more long-lasting, and that's why they're anointed with a horn, which symbolizes something which is going to last a longer time.
And more about anointing kings. We do not anoint a kaihen as a king. Amrab Yudan Tudarya, he says, Al Shame, because it says in the Pasuk, the Shavit, the staff, this is referring to the royal scepter, it shall not be moved from Yehuda. And if we anoint a kaihen as a king, so that's showing that we're taking the scepter from Yehuda and giving it to Levi. And Amrab Chibar Ada, we have a different source for this, so that he could be Marachyomim, he could have elongated days over his kingdom, who Ubanu Bekar Yisrael, him and his kids in Monks Yisrael. And Maxiv Basri, what does it say afterwards in the Pasuk? So shall not be for Kahan Malvim. And so Rabbi Abba is dashing from this Pasuk is that the Arichas Yomim of the kingdom is not going to be given to Kahan Malvim. That means they do not get anointed as kings. Perhaps they might be a king, but they're not going to be anointed with any sort of oil. And now the Gemara is going back to discuss the sons of Yeshio. And let's read a Pasuk which is very important for this following Gemara. The Pasuk tells us as follows Ubnei Yeshio and the sons of Yeshio, Habachar Yechnon. The oldest one was Yechnon, Hasheni Yayakim. The second one was Yayakim, Hashlishi Tzitkio. The third was Tzitkio, Harvi Shalom. And the fourth was Shalom. So it seems to be the Yeshio. Had four sons. And now the Gemara tells us, When it mentions Yechanan in the Pasuk, that's actually referring to his son, Yehayachaz, his second son. The Gemara asks, But it says in the Pasuk, The Bachar is Yechanan. And we said previously that Yehayachaz wasn't the oldest kid, he was the second oldest kid. And that's why he had to get anointed to show that even though he was younger than his older brother, he still is going to be the king right now. So how could we say that the Bachar is Yechanan? The Gemara answers, No, Bachar Lamalchaz. When it refers to him as the Bachar, it means he was the first one to be appointed as king, but not that he was the oldest son. And Amr Yechanan, he continues, Hu Shalom Hu Tzidkiyo. Shalom and Tzidkiyo are the same person. Ahav it says, Hagimel Tzidkiyo, the third son was Tzidkiyo, or Avi Shalom, and the fourth son was Shalom. So how can you say they're the same person? So the Gemara explains, Gimel Atodais and Dalit Lamalchas. He was the third son, but he was the fourth of Yeshio's descendants to actually reign as king. Now what does that mean? We know that after Yeshio died, Yehoshua became king, and three months later, Parnachai imprisoned him, put Yehoshua in his place, he ruled for 11 years, and then Yehoshua, who was Yehoshua's son, became king. After three months, Nebuchadnezzar sent him into exile. We know about him from Megillus Esther when we say, And then Nebuchadnezzar appointed Yechanya's uncle, Tzidkiyo, as king for the next 11 years until the destruction of the Besamekdash. So Tzidkiyo was the fourth of Yeshio's descendants to reign as king, and that's why he's called fourth over here in the Pasuk. And now we explain his name, Tzidkiyo. Why was his name that? Because Nebuchadnezzar said, Hashem should be matzik, my judgment, justify what I do to you if you rebel against me. So actually, this is a name given to him by Nebuchadnezzar. And Shalom, why was his name Shalom? Shabiyama Shalma Malchus Beis David, because in his days, the kingdom of Beis David concluded, it was complete, there was no more kings after him. Now, Rish Lakish Amr, he says, His real name wasn't Shalom or Tzidkiyo. His real name was Matanya. And that's in the Pasuk, it says, And the king of Bavel, referring to Nebuchadnezzar, placed Matanya, his uncle, in his place, and he changed his name to Tzidkiyo. So the king of Bavel, Nebuchadnezzar, placed his uncle Matanya, talking about Yechanya's uncle Matanya. So we see that his real name was Matanya, and he changed his name to Tzidkiyo. And now back to discussing the Arn, Amrab Yechon, he says, The Arn was made based off the measurement of a six tafach amma. We know sometimes a six tafach amma is used and sometimes a five tafach amma is used. So Rabbi Yechon says the Arn was based off a measurement of a six tafach amma. Who's that Tan? Rameir, it's Rameir. Denan, we have Mishnah. Rameir, he says, All the Amas that were used in the building of the Mishkan, they were all average size Amas. That means a six tafach amma. Rabbi Yehuda, he says, The Amas that have to do with the building of the Mishkan, those are six 
tefachamas, but shall kalim of the kalim in the Mishkan of the base of Mikdash, Chamisha, those were five tefachamas. So that is Rav Meir, according to Rav Meir, do Amar that says, Ba'ama shall shisha tefacham haya aran asoi, that the aran was made based off Ama of six tefacham, Arka shall aran tesav tefacham, that means that the length of the aran was 15 tefacham. It says in the Pasuk, Amasai mechitzi arkai, the length of the aran was two and a half amas, Amsa hashisa, one ama is six, Amsa hashisa, another ama is six, that's 12, Upalgas ama tefasa, and then half an ama is three, so that's a total of 15. And there was four luchas placed inside the arn. Two whole luchas and two broken luchas. It says in the Pasuk, the ones that you broke, and you shall place them in the arn. The luchas, they were six tfachim long. They were three tfachim wide. So we take the width of the luchas and place them across the length of the arn. So that is going to be four times three, that's twelve. That means we have three tfachim left of the arn, of the length of the arn. Again, the arn was 15 tfachim long, and now we've taken up 12 of these tfachim. So what do we do with the remaining three tfachim? So Tazai Noam based on top, ten mehem chatzit tefach chalkaisel, we're going to give a half tefach for each of the walls, because when we counted a 15 tefach length of the arn, that's including the thickness of the walls. So we're going to take half of a tefach away for the walls, that means that we have two left, nishtayr shnei tefachim, the Sefer Torah, so we have two tefachim left for the Sefer Torah, the Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, according to a mayor, was placed inside the arn, and when it was rolled up, it was actually two tefachim wide, so it fit perfectly in this remaining two tefachim. Now, the width of the arn was nine tefachim. The Chassid says in the pasuk, "Amav chetzi rachbay." Its width was one and a half amas. Amsa shisa, so one amas six tefachim. Upalgas amsa tlasa, and half an amas three tefachim. So that's nine altogether. Varba luchas hayubay, and as we said, there's four luchas inside the arn. Shnayim shleimim, shnayim shvurim. Two whole ones, two broken ones. The Chassid says in the pasuk, "Asher shibar to the ones that you broke with samtem arn and placed them in the arn." Haluchas hayu kol echad veechad arkan shisha tefachim. The luchas, each one of them was six tefachim long. Rucham and shleishet tefachim, and they were three tefachim wide. Ten arkan shaluchas. Take the length of the luchas, the rochbash shall earn, and place them across the width of the urn. So we have three tfachim left, because we have six tfachim of luchas, and that's three tfachim left for the width of the urn. We have half of a tafach for this wall, half a tafach for the thickness of that wall, and and we have two tfachim left. That's in order to control the place where the Sefer Torah is. The Sefer Torah was two tfachim wide, and that's the space that it was placed in, which means that we have to have a little space on each side in order to be able to control it, take it in, put it out, and whatnot, so therefore we have this extra two tefach space in order to shift things around in the Aaron. Whereas Rav Shemel Lakshamar, he argues with Rabbi Yechon, and he says, The Aaron was made based off the measurement of a five tefach ama. Who's that Tana? Rabbi Yehuda. That's Rabbi Yehuda. The Tani and Taman we learned over there in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda, he says, shisha, The ama that was made in building the Mishkan and the base of that was a six tefach ama. But the ones made to use the kalim, that was a five tefach ama. And the Aaron is a kli. So that to Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yehuda, do Amr that says that the arn was made based off of a five tefach ama. Its length was actually twelve and a half tefachim. The Chassid says in the pasuk, "Amasayim chetzi arka." It was two and a half amas long. Amsa chamisha, amsa chamisha. We have one ama which is five tefachim, another ama which is another five tefachim. Upalgus amsa tre upalg, and the other half ama is two and a half tefachim. So five plus five plus two and a half is twelve and a half. V'dal luchas hayubai, and there was four luchas inside. Shnayim shleim, shnayim shvurim. That's two broken ones, two whole ones. The Chassid says in the pasuk, "Asher shibar to the ones that you broke." V'sam tam ba'arn and place them in the arn. And the luchas were six tefachim long each, or and and there were three tefachim wide. Ten rachman shaluchas la arka shal arn. Place the width of the luchas across the length of the arn. That means we have half of a tefach left now. He held that the thickness of each wall was actually one finger breadth and not half of a tefach. And he also holds that the safer tire was not placed inside the arn. Now rachman shal arn. How wide was the arn? Shivat tefachum mechza seven and a half tefachim. The chesiv says in the pasuk, it was one and a half amos wide. 
Am's Chamisha, Upalikos Amsa Trey Upalik, one Am is five Tvachim, a half an Amma is two and a half Tvachim, so that's seven and a half, Vidal Luchas Hayubai, and there was four Luchas in it, Shnaim Shlim, Shnaim Shvurim, two whole ones, two broken ones, the Chsiv says in Pasuk Asher Shibar, the ones that you broke with Samtem Ba'arn, place them in the Arn, Haluchas Hayak, Echad, Echad, Archon Shisha Tvachim, the Luchas were six Tvachim long, or Chavan Shlash Tvachim, they're three Tvachim wide, ten Archon Lerech Bashal Arn, place their length across the width of the Arn, when a Shtar Sham Tavachu Mechta, so now there's a Tavach and a half left, one finger breadth thickness for the walls each. There's half a tefach space on each side in order to control, in order to move around the luchas if they need to be taken out or put back in or shifted around. So then we have this little space in order to shift them around. So we have this machlaikas between Rabbi Hud and Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yechanan and Rish Lakesh. How big was the actual arn? Was it a five tefach or was it a six tefach And we continue discussing the arn, and we know that the arn had to be coated in gold on inside and outside. It was made of wood, however, it had to be completely coated in gold. So we're going to have machlaikas about this. How did Bitzal actually make the arn? Reb Chanina Amar he tells us Shalish Tevas so he actually made three separate boxes. Shtaim Shal Zav Achashal Eight, two of gold and one of wood. Nasan Shal Zav Shal Eight, he put the smaller golden box inside the wooden one. Mishal Eight Mishal Zav, and then the wooden one inside the larger golden one. Mitzipo, and that way it was covered with gold because it's covered on the inside and outside. The Chesivit says in the pasuk Mitzipisa Eisay Zav Tarim Bazim Chutz. You shall coat in gold inside and outside. In this way, it's coated in gold because there's a box on the inside and a box on the outside that are gold. Matam Olam Titzapenu. So why is the pasuk repeat itself? And say, You shall coat it. That's redundant. The Gemara explains, This is including the upper rim. We can't see any wood. So the upper rim also had to be coated in gold. Whereas Rashim and Lakashamar, he argues and says, so. He only made one box. It was one wooden box. And then he coated the entire thing in gold. And you shall coat it with pure gold on the inside and outside. So why is the Pasuk repeat itself and say, You shall coat it? He explains, This is in between each board where it was connected, that part also had to be coated in gold. And once we had mentioned luchas, we talk about them. How exactly were the luchas written? Meaning, what was written on the luchas? So we have a number of opinions about this. Reb Chanina ben Gamliel Aimer he says Chamisha luach zav Chamisha luach We have five of the sarsa dibros on one luach and five of the sarsa dibros on the other luach. Hadoy dechsev that's pshat pasuk. Byichtevim al shnei luchas avanim and he wrote them on the two luchas of stone. Chamisha luach zav Chamisha luach Five on this and five on that. He wrote them. He wrote the sarsa dibros. On the stones, on the luchas, meaning five here, five there. Whereas Rabban and Amri, they say no. Asar luchas, asar luchas. All asar sadibris were written on each of the luchas. Hadod chesiv. That's pshat and pasuk. Byagel lechem is brisa. Asher tziva has chamlasos. And he told you of his bris that he commanded you to do asar sadvarim the ten things. And the pasuk continues. Vayichtevim al shnei luchas avanim. And he wrote them on the two luchas avanim. What do we learn from that? Asar luchas av. Asar luchas av. Each of the asar sadibris was written. On each of the luchas, was Hashem Barachayimer. He says Esrim Eluchzav, Esrim Eluchzav. There was actually twenty on each luch. The Chesivah says in the pasuk, Vayichtevem al Shnei Luchzavanim, and he wrote them on the two luchzavanim. And it says this pasuk twice, Esrim Eluchzav, Esrim Eluchzav. This is telling us that the Seder Seder was written twice on each luchas. That's for a total of twenty times on each luchas. Now Rabbi Yimayimer, he says Arbaim Eluchzav, Arbaim Eluchzav. It was actually written forty times on each luch. The Chesivah says in the pasuk, Mizeh Mizehim Ksuvim. They were written on both sides of the luchas tachayga for a total of four times on each luch. That's four. 40 times on each of the luchas. And more about what was written on Luchas, Chanani ben Achir Abishua Aimer, he says, Bain called Dibur Vadibur, in between every single one of the Dibras on the Luchas, Dik Tukavai Yisrael Taira, all the details and the letters of the Taira were written, meaning all the mitzvahs that were relevant to that Dibur were written on the Luchas. The Chesivah says in the Pasuk, Mimula Imba Tarshish, filled in like Tarshish, Kiyama Raba, like the large sea. And we explain this. Rishim and Lakish, Karhava Matiadin Kriya, when he reached this Pasuk of Mimula Imba Tarshish in Shira Shirim, 
Amr, he would say, Chananya, the son of the brother Rabbi Shua, he taught me well. Just like the sea, in between every large wave, there's small waves, on in between every single Dibur that was written on Luchas, the details and the letters of Torah written that had to do with that teaching and that Dibur. And now we're going back to the discussion between Rabbein and Rabbi Yehuda whether or not the Sefer Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu was placed inside the Aaron. Amr Rabbi Tanchumi says, I asked the following question in front of Rabbi Pinchas. Ask Rabbi Yehuda, the following goes like Rabbi Yehuda, and it's not like Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda held that the Sefer Torah was not placed inside the Aaron Kaidash. My time to Rabbi Yehuda, what's the right for Rabbi Yehuda that the Sefer Torah was not placed inside the Aaron? The Chesavit says in the Pasuk, take the Sefer Torah, place it next to the Aaron Bersh Hashem, meaning you're not placing it inside. And all that, Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, do all that says, where was the Sefer Torah placed? There was some sort of box or compartment made on the outside of the Kaidash by the Sefer Torah and the Sefer Torah was placed inside of it. So my time is Rameir. So what's Rameir's Shita? Where does he get his Shita from? The Chesavit says in the Pasuk, you should place the Kaparis on top of the Arn. This is talking about the cover of the Arn. And inside the Arn you shall place the that I'm going to give you. And this is referring to Moshe Rabbeinu's Sefer Torah. So we see very clearly the Pasuk is telling us that you should place the Sefer Torah inside the Arn. Kaidash. So now we have to explain Shitas Rabbi Yehuda, Aldatid Rabbi Yehuda, Korant Rabbi Yehuda, Du Amar, this means, in Mokhtar Mokhtar Batayra, that there's no chronological order in the Torah. So really the way to read this Pasuk is, Ela ve'el ha'aron titein as ha'edos asher etein elecha, inside the Aron, you should place the Eidos, and the Eidos over here is not referring to the Sefer Torah, it's referring to the Luchais that I'm going to give you. Ve'achakach, and afterwards, when Satsas HaKaparis HaLaron, Omala, you should take the Kaparis and place it on top of the Aron, so both Rabbi and Rabbi Yehuda have Sukkim that prove their Shitas. Rabbi Yehuda says the Sefer Torah is placed outside the Aron and not inside the Aron, and Rabbi Meir says that the Sefer Torah is placed inside the Aron. And now some beautiful teachings about this Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu received, Rabbi Pinchas B'Shem Rabbeinu Lakish, he says, this Torah that Hashem gave to Moshe Rabbeinu, he gave it to him as white fire engraved with black fire, referring to the white parchment and the black letters on it. He ish muvlelos be'esh, it was fire mixed with fire, chatsuva me'esh, carved out of esh, unasuna me'esh, and given with fire. The Chesavit says in the Pasuk, from his right hand, referring to Hashem's right hand, esh das lamai, the fire of Torah was given to them. We're going to stop here for the day, pick up tomorrow with a brand new Mishnah. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.